Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to talk about director's cuts and ones that are good versions of movies and ones that are bad versions of movies and what we feel about them in general. And then we are going to do a full review of Denis Villeneuve, however you say his name, <laughs> his movie Prisoners, starring Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, right off the top, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know if you think we're doing a good job. Let us know how you felt about Prisoners or any other movie we've seen. We'll probably talk about it on the air, because we don't get a lot of feedback. So, uh, if you want me to say your name, just send in an email with your name. And I'll <laughs> and say it. Hopefully some sort of feedback. <laughs> some sort of content, please, would yes. be preferable. Not just your name. Yep. Um, yeah, review us on iTunes, too. That'd be great. Give us a rating. That'd be cool. be awesome. But anyway, don't do it based on the last episode. Or do, if you liked it. But anyway. Um, give us a good review. Is that especially what we're saying? <laughs> yeah. Please give us a good review. So, director's cuts. We have, uh, you know, or even just extended cuts or unrated cuts. Kind of just different versions of movies. Movies that have been tweaked by director or whoever. Any alternate cut that differentiates itself from the theatrical. Yeah, yeah. So... I just kind of want to talk about how we feel about them in general, um, and and then we can kind of go into examples of good or bad. So, Willie, what, what do you think about about other cuts? Like, will you gravitate towards a particular cut? Like, if, if you know, oh, this one's got an unrated and a rated, or this one's got directors and theatrical, like, or extended or theatrical, which one do you kind of find yourself gravitating towards? Um, I, I don't know. I tend to watch... Um, I tend to watch extended cuts because I or, or alternate cuts in general because I, if I if I enjoy the movie enough the first time through on the theatrical run I kind of want to see it you know like if there's an alternate version out there I want to see it yeah um, I don't seek out every alternate cut of every movie ever by any means but there are there are certainly times where I I try to seek those out especially with horror movies because um, oftentimes the extended cut or the uncut version is uncut because there were things they couldn't show in theaters there was yeah. you know what i mean there was a lot more uh, gore and blood and guts and all the fun stuff so i like seeing more of that obviously as a, as a horror fan makes um, sense yeah absolutely um but i there is a weirdness right now with uncut director's cut extended cut whatever too hot for theaters all that crap like it seems like there's a a lot of that's happening with comedies lately like yeah. the uncut version and oftentimes i don't think it's actually a director's cut i know it's just that like it's just the studio's like, hey, see more boobs in my movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, because, I don't know. So, you got to kind of be careful with that, too, now, because it's become kind of a mainstream thing to put, like, uncut on the front of your DVD release and, like, hope that people are going to rent it because they want to hear more swear words. You know, yeah. I don't know. So, I, I'm, I'm a little more cautious about it now, but in general, I enjoy watching uh, alternate cuts, so. Okay. Yeah. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think it's good. It's real good. It's good. Next question. <laughs> I like, uh, there are some directors that I'm always excited to see. I think there's a director's cut. If, if there's a director's cut available, like Ridley Scott uh, is mm-hmm. one that I usually really enjoy director's cuts. And I was, last night I was actually looking, trying to research the differences between the Zodiac director's cut and theatrical cut because I've never seen the directors. And I texted a, a couple of friends of mine you know, just in a group text and said, hey, who owns the director's cut and why? And uh, one of my friends said, with Fincher's movies, there's only one cut you need to see, and that's his cut. And I was like, oh, yeah, compelling point. <laughs> so, I, I remember... Director's cut of Alien 3, anybody? It used to be... It's better. Uh, 
It's actually the producer's cut. Or the assembly cut. I'm sorry. What it used to be means. really exciting to see director's cut on a box because it was rare. It was yeah. it was something that was like, wow, this movie, apparently the director's cut is, is badass enough that it warrants its own individual release. And now, like Willie said, a movie comes out on Blu-ray and you wait a year because the director's cut's coming out later so that they can cash in. And I remember in like the late 2000s when it was like unrated, it was slapped on everything and it was like 30 seconds of footage tacked onto the end of like 30 different scenes of one one extra second. It was just like no, hardly any discernible difference. Yeah. Just as a marketing ploy. So it gets kind of obnoxious. You really have to do your research, I think, or not. Just buy it and, and turn your brain off and watch it or whatever. But um, I, I like to at least look into it and see if it's really worth the extra, the extra time or the money. Because sometimes it does weaken a movie, I think. You know, sometimes the theatrical cut is is better. It's tighter. I mean, it, it was the theatrical cut for a reason, so... I have yet to watch the extended cut of either Girl of the Dragon Tattoo uh, or Zodiac, but I've heard they're both cool. The Zodiac one is like 15 minutes longer, I think. The movie's already so damn long. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It could be awesome. It could be a couple of really good scenes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of specifics, but in general, I'm usually interested to see what a, why a director chose uh, you know, to alter it, what their original idea was. <clears throat> yeah. And there are some directors that are really great, like that already kind of had the say over the final cut. Like I'm pretty sure Nolan has has final cut rights already because yeah. he never releases a director's cut because he's always like the one you saw is the one I wanted yeah there's rarely even like deleted scenes or anything on his no because he doesn't really shoot no. he shoots the whole script and <clears throat> and puts it all on the screen that's kind of what you see which is interesting but frustrating as a fan like you want when special editions of those movies comes out it's always interviews and, and behind the scenes and featurettes which are really cool but you are always kind of interested in what wasn't in the movie but it was all pretty much there yeah. anyway so yeah, um, generally, I like to go and, and seek out the director's cut if, if um, usually after I've seen the fir- the theatrical one or, or if I've heard that it's the definitive one. Like, when I watched, uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about this one shortly, I'm sure, but yeah. when uh, I was in my intro to film class and we were going to watch Blade Runner, I, I remember calling up Willie and being like, dude, I, I don't know what cut we're going to watch in class. Uh, which one do you think is, is the best one to go with? And you're like, final cut, no question. And so I got it before the class and watched the final cut. Cause I didn't know what he was going to show. And I think it did end up being the final cut, but it's like, if, if you know that the definitive version of the movie is the final cut, then you're like, okay, well I got to check it out. But I feel like Blade Runner is like the top. That's the first thing on people's mind. Like when you think of a director's cut, like that movie's kind of infamous for like the different cuts that it has. Yeah, and part of that is just there's so there's such a long history of of the trouble with that movie mm-hmm. and and the studio wanting the voiceover and and Ridley kind of being pushed out of the movie at the last minute and that's kind of there's, there's a fun there's a there's a kind of a mystique about everything that happened back you know what I mean like yeah. whose cut was what cut and then they put out a director's cut which wasn't really the director's cut it's just it's fun I don't know the one from like 1990 yeah mm-hmm. that was the first one I ever saw me too yeah. But, I, like, the thing is, is that I find that I often want director's cuts of movies that I'm not going to get. Like, I'd be really interested in watching a director's cut of The Incredible Hulk with the flashbacks and things kind of intact where Norton Absolutely. and, and Leteria wanted them to be. And just to see what that movie would have been without Marvel's kind of strong hand or whatever could have happened behind the scenes there. Um, but... Yeah, so like half the time you're kind of you hear about these troubled productions or like there's a lot of footage that got cut. I'd love to see what the Amazing Spider-Man used mm-hmm. to be, but 
We never will, probably. And so that's kind of where I'm more interested in getting them. So when they do actually make it out, I'm, I, I kind of want to go check them out. Things that are like unrated or, or, or when it's like when the difference is unrated or not, I'm usually just like, whatever, who cares? But like when it's actually a director's cut or the extended edition of Lord of the Rings, like, you know, as soon yeah. as The Hobbit was announced, people are like, I can't wait to see the extended edition. Like, yeah. You know, those. Well, we are seeing it because it's three movies long. <laughs> well, and then there's extended editions of all three of those, too. Yeah. So, okay. So we can kind of get into what we think are good ones and bad ones. I know, Willie, you've got a few kind of examples that you. Yeah. Um, well, going back to Ridley Scott, I think every single one of his movies has a, a director's cut or an alternate <laughs> version, at least one. Um, but there is, and generally I like his director's cuts um, more than the theatrical, but Alien is the one that I'm not a fan of. There's not a ton of difference between the original theatrical cut and the director's cut, um, but there is an added scene um, that has something to do with the Tom Skerritt character. And what is, you, I don't... Basically, the added scene is. I guess we can spoil this, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like we don't. I don't think we have to deal. Uh, we can be okay with, with spoilers, spoilers for Alien. <laughs> spoilers for the Alien uh, director's okay. cut. So basically, she goes at one point um, when she's journeying through the ship by herself after everybody's dead. She goes down into some sort of maintenance area or something like that, and she yeah. finds Tom Skerritt. And Tom Skerritt is actually being turned into an egg. Okay. Half of his body is an egg. Um, which it's, it's a very creepy scene and there's kind of an, like an animatronic scarret head and he's like suffering and like she, she kills him. Yeah. It's out of his misery. And, um, it's, it's, it's a cool scene, but it, it kills the pace of the rush for her to get to the ship completely to me. Yeah. Like okay. at that point, the ending of Scarlet's character is so effective and so creepy when the, when the alien comes out, Hey hugs. And then this just cuts, like it cuts off as soon as it dives out. And like, I didn't want to see, I, I don't want to know what happened to him. The mystery of, what happened to him is scarier than seeing it. And then, of course, there's the weird weirdness of the fact that that kind of negates the alien life cycle that gets set up further in Aliens. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is uh, Yeah, unless they can, unless there's another way they can reproduce. I don't know, but whatever, regardless. it's, it's it, it, Just in the movie itself, regardless of sequels, it doesn't... It, it kills the, the, the pacing and the, the tension of her getting out of there. Um, yeah, it's, she already makes the pit stop for the cat, which is enough. She doesn't need to make a pit stop for Scarlet, <laughs> Damn too. cat. So, cat pit stop. Um, that's one example. Um, another example is Sex Drive, which is a super underrated, like, raunchy comedy that's very, very funny, mostly because James Marsden is amazing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually an alternate cut of Sex Drive that came out on the DVD, and it's got a director's intro, and they... <laughs> They actually come out and say right away, don't, if you have not seen Sex Drive, do not watch this cut first. It's awful. Like, they purposefully made a bad version, like a, a terrible version of the movie. Because, I mean, basically what it amounts to is green screened, nude, like, topless women walking across the screen. Yeah, and... strange occurrences happening in the middle of scenes. Yeah. Um, like, just naked women, like, strolling by and waving at the camera and then yeah. like, walking off. Yeah, weird things like that. So... That that was a purposeful. That, that's that's the one that was like aimed at like the high schoolers. They're like, oh man, I got a copy of Sex Drive. Absolutely, but I, I kind of thought it was funny that the directors came on and say like, hey, this is a horrible cut of this movie, so don't watch it first. <laughs> but we put it on here for the laughs. So, um, so that's one. Um, the other one is there's there's two directors cuts of the original Dawn of the Dead. There's a director's cut done by the actual director, George Romero, and there's a director's cut done by Italian filmmaker Dario Argento, because they made a deal where Argento would help fund the movie as long as he got distribution and editing rights for the international release, for the European release. 
both director's cuts are my not are not my favorite cut of the movie, <laughs> funny enough. I like the extended cut, um, which Romero has gone on to say that he's not a huge fan of because he says the cut was thrown together to get it out um, into test screenings quickly. Interesting. Um, due to a time constraint or something and so that was just kind of the one that they were like oh we need feedback we need, on this we movie we need the feedback on this movie now um i'm assuming so they could figure out reshoots and get a reshoot schedule going yeah. and stuff but um regardless he's not a big fan of that one and i actually like it because i i like the uh, dawn of the dead the original feels like it feels like it's probably the most epic in scope um for a zombie film uh, Maybe now World War Z takes that place, but even though Dawn of the Dead is so constrained to that mall, it feels so much bigger. Yeah. You get glimpses of things going on on the outside, and just, I don't know, like, he sets up this very large-scale problem, and I, I like I like my epics to be long, you mm-hmm. know, as long as the, the scenes that are there feel yeah. necessary, and it, and they do. So, yeah, if you have a chance, there's a, there's a, the only way you can see the alternate cuts, I think, is there's a four-disc or five-disc DVD set out there and that has all four cuts of the movie and i totally suggest you pick it up because they're very very different from each other cool yeah they're like different movies it's weird it's so. so weird yeah goblin soundtrack makes a difference yeah the european the european cuts the weirdest of the bunch because it's quite a bit shorter than any of the other cuts there's very little dialogue or like character arcs it's mostly action and goblin <laughs> and completely different shots of like 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 small events that happen in the movie like like a different shot, of, like a different angle of this zombie's head getting shot off instead of like the. It's very small choices that he made. To th- I don't know, hmm. but it's it's a, it's worth a watch. So, all right, Nick, you got any any suggestions for people to watch, director's cut wise, or any avoidances? I think the uh, extended cut of Kingdom of Heaven is better than the theatrical. Absolutely, that's a great one. It's long as hell, but it's so worth it. Uh. You know, a really a really unique one, I think, in the in the in the realm of, I don't think anyone ever thinks of it of director's cuts, but I'd say it's even more talked about than Blade Runner is uh, the Star Wars trilogy, because mm, yeah. the original there's the theatricals, then there's the '97 special editions, then there's the D- DVD. DVD releases, and then there's the Blu-ray, Blu-ray. releases, yeah. uh, and it's just insane. <laughs> and I I think. <sighs> I think the best version of Star Wars is the 97 special editions because it expanded in just the right places. It filled it out a little bit. And there's a, there's some CG from then that looked amazing then. It's a little questionable now. But overall, I think most of the editions of that are really cool. Um, and then I think it was all downhill from there. Yeah. But I, I like the theatrical versions a lot as well. But I think that the 97 ones were, were was a good idea at the time. It was cool to see them again in the theater. And it was cool to see a little bit of, you know, meat added to it um i th- i'm trying to remember if i've seen the, the director's cut of robin hood the ridley robin hood mm, yeah it's i know i own it but i can't remember if i've watched i, it. I remember enjoying it quite a bit i think that's probably the one that i saw and i liked it a lot so maybe i haven't seen the theatrical but um you know, maybe. one thing too with the star wars is um the star wars cuts or not cuts but the alternate versions is um i think it all depends too on, on what you grew up with yeah my, my brother um and I, we we only ever had the the VHS copies of the original theatrical ones. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even aware that other ones existed until well after. You know what I mean? Well mm-hmm. after, and um, and I so so I always thought I, it always threw me off. I mean, I like some of the additions, but for me, I always I don't know. I was th- those aren't my favorite ones. You well, know? and they're kind of weird too because it's not like a as Nick was saying. They're kind of you don't traditionally think them think of them as director's cuts, but they're definitely like. 
the most minute changes that any director is going to make because he wanted it to be that So they way. technically are director's cuts yeah. because he, it means the director's making the decision to, well, he's not really the director yeah. on the last two, so. Oh, yeah, that's true. This that's, is a very, what a slippery slope we're uh, on it's, right it's now. Very, it's weird because even like the changes, it's not, most of the times it's not like here's a scene or something like that. He's like, I want to change the appearance of something in this scene. I want to add things that were not originally. Please let me put yeah. more rocks around this Tuscan Raider, like yeah. that kind of thing. Sure. It's, it's, and I, very strange things. And I, and I don't want to get too much into Star Wars because we'll go on forever about that. But yeah. But um, no, we, but we, I think we already did that last week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a couple other ones. Obviously, we talked a little bit even last week about uh, the Daredevil director's cut being yeah. a lot better than the original because, like I said, it adds a lot more of Matt Murdock and his interactions with everybody else, and that's actually the, the part of the movie that's good. Um, pretty much everything else with Daredevil himself is kind of gooby. Um, Pitch Black. Did we wa- we watched the the, direct, the extended cut of that because it was a few minutes longer? Yes. We did not watch the extended cut of Chronicles of Riddick. No, because it was like fifteen minutes longer, I think. And I'm really having a hard time remembering because I know I've seen both versions, and I think that the extended cut might be a little bit better, but I can't imagine how lengthening that movie makes it better. But I think that I almost think there might be a little bit more in the prison, which is the cool part of the movie. So. I don't remember. Hmm. Has anyone seen the, the director's cut of Alexander? Because I know that's like the only one I can think of that's shorter than the theatrical. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't happen too often. But it, I heard it was a little bit better, but still kind of a stupid movie. Yeah, I I, I haven't seen the no. theatrical or the director's. So I, mean, I know I saw one of them, but I don't remember which one it was. I'm sure there's more. I just can't think of them. I'm trying like mentally. I'm trying to picture my uh, <laughs> my bookshelf at home with all my aliens. Yeah, yeah, the aliens extended. I, I, I got to mention aliens, <laughs> as if I haven't mentioned aliens enough on this podcast. Here it is again. Okay. No, uh, I I watched like I literally. It was weird for me to watch the theatrical cut in the theater when when Gojo and I went to see it because yeah. I'm so used to it's certain true. scenes yeah. being there that it was like, where are the turrets? Where are the auto turrets? The turrets are <laughs> integral to the aliens' experience, I would say. <laughs> but yeah. it, what's weird is for years and years and years that they didn't exist. Yeah. There was yeah, those on the cutting room floor. That's funny. It's funny, too, because, like, you were mentioning the mystique of, of Alien, of Tom Skerritt's death being mm. a little bit ruined, and it's funny how the, I won't get into specifics, but the Aliens Colonial Marines video game that came out revealed a lot of what happened to various people Yeah, and it was after Aliens, and it did, it almost kind of, even though it's not, I don't know if it's being considered canon or not, I doubt it. I think it's best that we don't. But I, I do, too, <laughs> but this decision is not I mean, it's, it's pretty sad when I have to say that... I would rather consider Alien 3 completely canon than I would consider that game canon. <laughs> Colonial Marines did some goofy things, but, but it does kind of it does kind of ruin a couple things. Just whatever. It's weird when a video game can carry on a film. It's very strange story. Yeah. Um, I I was trying to think. I I texted you guys with this segment idea today, but I couldn't even think of any director's <laughs> cuts that I actually own myself, other than Blade Runner. That happens a lot with us, doesn't it? The one that has the idea for a segment usually doesn't have any ideas for the segment. It, well, it doesn't really happen with you. Usually when you come up with a segment or if somebody else comes up with a segment, you're like, oh, I have like seven things. But like with with like me, I, I can definitely be like, oh, yeah, let's talk about this. And then I'm like, I don't know. It's probably because you have important things going on in your life and I have like three. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about Blade Runner is I got into a conversation with a guy once about which cut was the best. And, um, that's really that's, debated too. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk to somebody who's like, "Oh man, no, theatrical." I love those voiceovers. He was all about the theatrical, and yeah. I was like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Why? Why do you like the voiceover?" I just went straight for that because I knew that was the biggest distinction. He goes, "Well, 
he goes, it's a film noir. He's like, it's a, it's a sci-fi film noir. He goes, what's film noir without a little bit of voiceover? He goes, to me, it's, it's an integral part of the genre. He's like, so if, if it's missing, he goes, it feels to me like it's less of a, the, the film noir influence is kind of lifted off of it. And he goes, and I like to think of it as really like a, a heavy, you know, he goes, it's LA, it's rainy, it's dark, it's a, it's a detective protagonist. He goes, where's that voiceover? And yeah. Like, yeah. He made a great point. I was like, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's it'd interesting. Be, it'd be interesting to do a uh, a point counterpoint with that if we could find somebody we know that loves the or somebody. I mean, honestly, one of us can just take the stance on it, and don't oh, to, I mean, you don't have to agree. With that's it, that's true. That's true. I still haven't even watched the theatrical. I think cut. you should. I it's, I think it's an experience somebody should, everybody should have. I, I, that was the second version I had seen, and I I wasn't nuts about it. Um, but I, I on the special features for that set. Uh, they have directors coming in and talk about Blade Runner, and I know Guillermo del Toro is like all over the original theatrical cut, and then Frank Darabont's like, "You are absolutely nuts out of your mind. That does not need to happen." It's pretty yeah. cool. It's very cool to hear them you talk know, about that. I, I so. like the voiceover in a lot of parts, but the one part where it just absolutely makes me go, "No!" is the final scene. Yeah. With the, Tears with and rain. Day. It ruins yeah, completely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you're just like, mm. "I right. don't know what Batty meant then." <laughs> all right. All right. Blah, blah, well, blah, blah, blah. that was it's very, fun. It's very gumshoey. Oh God, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, special editions, director's cuts, extended stuff. Go check them out. Let us know which ones you like, which ones you don't like. That'd be cool. I Absolutely. think the TLDR for me is if it says unrated, avoid it. If it says director's cut, it's worth a look. Absolutely. Yeah. That that sounds. Do, right. do your research. Not seen in theaters. Like I saw that in the World War. Too hot for theaters. It. Yeah, that's exactly what it said. And I was like, I'm watching the theatrical cut yeah. forever. All right, so on to our review of Dennis Villanueva's Prisoners, starring Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, Maria Bello, Melissa Leo, Paul Dano, a ton of people, uh, Terrence Howard. Most importantly. At all. Um, throwing up that peace sign at the premiere. <laughs> Uh, IMDb synopsis says, when Kelly Dover's daughter and her friend go missing, he takes matters into his own hands at the police, as the police pursue multiple leads and pressure mounts. But just how far will this desperate father go to protect his family? Um, <clears throat> so, we don't normally... Uh, we hit a lot of genre stuff, especially in the summer. Um, so it's kind of good to step out and do this. Nick kind of pushed this one. And I'm glad he did. Absolutely. But um, Thank you. I'd like to take credit for this wise <laughs> decision. So, Prisoners. Kind of uh, crime drama. Mystery thriller. Yeah. Um... Who done it? Yeah, I don't know. What, what did Who you think, really? How did you feel? Who gonna do it? Um, I really enjoyed Prisoners. Actually, I I think that I was really worried about it. I'm not gonna lie, because this is not typically my kind of my kind of movie. Yeah. Um, I I usually wind up enjoying movies like this, like really dark drama, you know, kind of melodramas and like that. You know, like I like like Sleepers is a perfect example of a movie that this reminds me of a little bit. It's got that very dark, heavy feel to it, and um. I heard it was 153 minutes long and the car ride to the theater from you. <laughs> I got even more nervous about it. I was worried. Um, but no, I, I, I really enjoyed Prisoners. Um, it's, it's a very, it's one of the, the most real, it feels very true. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it's a, it's a very scary movie too. Yeah. It is, it's a very unnerving, it's, it's really is, there's a lot of psychological horror going on here from almost every character's perspective. Mm -hmm. And, I really appreciate that because it's people don't naturally find ways to incorporate psychological horror into movies anymore. No, and and I don't. This was not trying to be a horror movie by no means. I would not even consider putting it in that genre. But because of the drama and the and the stakes involved, and just the 
the thought of, of your, your kid being taken from you, like it's horrifying. Yeah. So I really appreciated that true, the real true, everything rang true, the performances, the look of the movie, um, the motivations of the characters, the decisions the characters make. Um, there is some stuff in the third act that I wasn't nuts about that we'll get to eventually. But um, overall, I really enjoyed the movie. And I, I, I will watch it again probably multiple times. It'll be a perfect movie like when I'm kind of down, feeling down in the dumps on a rainy day and I just want to just get really nasty and gritty. You know, <laughs> like I just want to yeah. like just soak it all in. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. All right. Nick, how did you feel about Prisoners? Uh, I liked it a lot as well. I think it was actually probably one of the best movies I've seen this year. Agreed. Uh, yeah. All around, from top to bottom, the, everything was just stellar. It it uh, it looked gorgeous, uh, sounded good. Everybody in it just really brought their A game. Uh, I think it was pretty amazingly edited. I, I remember thinking early on, sitting there, going, "Man, this movie is just flowing mm-hmm. like water off of rocks." Which like, is just, that's I mean it's that's one of my main things is that this movie's over t- like two and a half hours long and I didn't feel you it don't at feel all. it at all yeah I uh I I really enjoyed it I think just about everything about it was great and it doesn't really do force of good force of bad it does it's like, all shades force of, of good force of pretty good force of pretty good force mm-hmm. of what are you like it's just it's all over the place and it and it it very much starts out pretty straightforward and then the movie kind of branches and then it branches again and then again but it never leaves you confused it's it's very well written and directed in a way that you're absolutely able to follow all the subplots and who all the characters are and they're all very distinct and no nothing gets confusing never over encumbered by no despite the fact of there's multiple you know ethical you know debates going on throughout the movie Mm -hmm. that you as the viewer are experiencing and, and you can really it does a good job of putting you in the shoes of a lot of the different characters and what they would be thinking and feeling and whether or not you would be reacting the same way. Um, you put yourself in those shoes, almost every character's shoes at one point or another. Yeah, they're all, and they're all really well fleshed out. Yeah. And there's lots of little little character details that are just very good. It's just very... It's the thing that movies seem to really miss a lot these days. It does such a good job of establishing who these people are by just what they're doing, what they're wearing, what they're carrying. Like, there's... Uh, there's just little instances of that very early on that were really good, like setting up the Thanksgiving dinner. What oh, it's fantastic. What the women were doing, what the guys... There's the single, tiny, tiny six-second scene of the two guys opening the table to extend the leaf and yeah. put it together. I was like, God damn, that's good. That's what I was thinking they when feel I like saw they, that. They feel like th- these are things that real people have to do. Yeah, these are two you know? dads that are already friends. They're, have, they've done this before, the way they just did it. Like It was, yeah. it was just beautiful, beautifully done. Yeah. And there's that stuff all throughout the movie, so it was very, uh, very enjoyable. I think the the stand the two standouts for me were were Jackman and Gyllenhaal were both mm-hmm. absolutely awesome, and the only the only little gripe I had about the movie there there were a couple of things in the third act that were just they didn't bother me but they were just kind of just a hair underwhelming I was kind of like oh, all right eh, thought so but uh, I would have liked a little bit more it's it's very it's pretty well balanced but I think I almost would have liked a little bit more of Gyllenhaal in it. His character was really compelling. Yeah. And uh, he's not the main character, but he is kind of. It's it's just weird. It kind of doesn't... It reminds me 100% of The Town, where I was like, I want more of John Hamm's character and a little less of Affleck, or maybe just a little more of John Hamm. And In everything. And retain the amount of Affleck. <laughs> just, you know, I, it's one of those weird movies where it was long as hell, but I'd be like, I would have been okay with another 10, 15 of fleshing out, you know, 
Gyllenhaal's character a little bit. That's but. that's one thing too. I was going to say real quick with with the <clears throat> Gyllenhaal uh, Jackman switch because they kind of they kind of bounce back and forth until the two their two storylines kind of converge. Yeah. And a lot of the times with movies like that where you have a couple main protagonists. I always get disappointed because I always feel like one of those two I'm less invested in than the other. Yeah. So every time we switch over to character B, I'm like, eh, okay. You know, like, this one, equally. totally invested in each yeah. one equally. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <clears throat> but they did a good job with him. I mean, I guess I'm kind of taking for granted. They did have good scenes of establishing what his character was like. His introduction, introductory scene is very, very, very good um, in the Chinese restaurant. So told a lot about his character. It was good. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I have I have nothing but really positive things to say about it overall. I'm really glad we went to see it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I um, this is one of the few trailers that I saw ahead of time, but I've done I've gotten gotten really good at even if I'm watching trailers that I just don't absorb anything. So um, it's like this superhero thing that I've developed. Not really. Superpower. But um. Even from like a trailer standpoint, like I felt like I, I felt like I knew everything going in. Maybe, like even even if I hadn't like drawn it all in, I was like, okay, yeah, Jackman, that dude, yep, he's it's probably him. Okay, and then <laughs> you know you get into this movie, and I was like, oh god, it's two and a half hours long. I don't know, and I was hooked like immediately just from the mm-hmm. filmmaking, from uh, the performances, um, you know, very very. It, the movie's very engaging, and and it needs to be. If if it's going to be two and a half hours long, it, it kind of needs to be the whole way through. And, and I it's think a drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, kudos kudos to Dennis and and crew on that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, there there were a lot of things that I found intriguing, and a lot of the religious. Uh, like I thought I was going to be angry about the religious stuff because generally I do get angry about religious stuff. But um, you mad? <laughs> but but uh, the movie was pretty subtle about it, and I think there are some very interesting parallels to be drawn and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd be interested in watching it and seeing if like somebody that I know who's more invested in religion and, and, and knowing kind of things like that, what, what they would see out of it. But I'll talk a little bit more about that in the spoiler section. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that, because, yeah, I wanted to touch on that as well. Yeah, and... Uh, Let's see what else? What else did I want to say? Fantastic performances all around. There wasn't a weak, bu- a weak person in the bunch. Like, like even even the son. The son was great. He stood up with Jackman. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a really good scene. Yeah, and and so you know, the casting was was fantastic all around. Um, That's so great when young actors in movies that have even if it's just a smaller role, they're just totally yeah. Absolutely if, own it. if they if they you know if they play their part, they do it well. It's mm-hmm. it's always good. Um, the only thing that kind of bothered me a little bit from, from just like a character perspective, and it's just kind of a little bit of a cognitive dissonance for me. I don't know. Uh, it, it didn't like, it didn't ruin anything for me, but I felt as though the, uh, the legal haziness of what Hall was doing throughout the movie was, it, it, it was, I, I'd say distracting, but it didn't. Obviously, it didn't ruin anything about the movie for me, but just, like, certain aspects, certain ways that he, like, you know, he doesn't really have probable cause sometimes, but then he goes for it anyways. Like, when things like that happen, it's kind of hard for me to, like, I I start to think about the legal implications of that and just like, oh, well, you know, anything that he figures out here wouldn't be admissible in court and that kind of thing. And it's just something that 
I end up thinking about more as the movie goes on if they don't really obey that. And not that they need to, and not that it always happens that way in real life anyway. But it's just kind of something that, that kind of sits in the back of my head when I watch a movie like this and, and you know. Somebody actually brought that up on, on IMDb on the message boards for it, and somebody answered back a lot of them really well with, like, explaining why certain things would work. Why it was okay. Work. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Some of them. There was, there was one I can think of that I was kind of like, what do you hope to achieve, Jake? Yeah. <laughs> what you doing here? But, uh, you know. And not, not that I know the ins and outs of the legal system and that I have, <clears throat> you know, well-defined definitions of probable cause but i think a lot of it uh you know i did a lot of thinking about this movie about a lot of the little the little subplots and the the little things and there are some there's some brilliant stuff that happens in this movie that little little questions little curiosities that happen in the first act that you forget about yeah and then when the movie's over you kind of look back and go oh that's why that and i can't really talk about them as spoilers but there is one that was never never really addressed properly that stood out in my mind pretty big and I was like, it, it was it was kind of an obnoxious, I don't know, we'll talk about it in the spoiler section. But okay. it never really got dealt with, and I was like, that's pretty glaring. It was a, that was a crazy thing. So, oh, the movie, the movie does not, it's not dumbed down for the audience at all. And that's something that I really <laughs> appreciate about it, because you don't get that a lot in movies nowadays. It's usually, <laughs> we go to edit in a voiceover so that the audience know what's going on in the, in the character's head, in the case of like Blade Runner. <laughs> or stuff like that. Sure. Or Snowpiercer is going to get cut so that people in Oklahoma understand it or whatever. But uh, even throughout the movie, like me thinking back to things now, there were a lot of things where you get to the third act, like you said, and I start thinking about, well, why was this person here? And it's like, oh, well, that it kind of makes sense. Or why was this person doing these things? And you just kind of go back and fill it in in your mind, and it's just kind of... The movie puts it all there. Like, it's all... You just kind of have to start putting the pieces together yourself, and I think that's very cool. It's admirable that, you know, the studio or whoever had Final Cut ended up letting it get out that way, because oftentimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just think of the title. I liked it. Prisoners? I don't know if it necessarily... I don't know. It's... Yeah, I meant to yeah, I meant to ruminate on it a little bit and try to, try to see how I felt about it. I think... Um, it's interesting, but... I almost wish there was a better, a more intriguing title. Well, I think it works on a lot of levels. It does. Because obviously there's, you know, people being imprisoned by other people in this movie, but there's also kind of you being imprisoned by your thoughts and what you think and, and your perception of of the story that's going on. And To me, I don't, I don't know. I remember the title was <laughs> stupid, but when I was debating seeing the movie, whether or not we reviewed it, I, I kind of, I wanted to see it because I was reading such good things about it. And, uh, and the cast was great, but I remember the title was just turning me off. I was like, this is such a boring... Like, it sounds like it could be a Tyler Perry movie. It's very bland. Uh, yeah, and I, I wanted, like, a something a little more interesting. And I think, it, given how interesting and how deep uh, and how complex the movie is, I think it almost warrants a better title. Yeah. It's not bad. I just remember walking out of it going, Prisoners. Like, it just sounded kind of dumb <laughs> i think i think there's more to it when you think about it but it's not sure yeah, I get it, it. it's not it's not accessible from like first glance you're not like oh i want to go see prisoners you know you want something more along the lines of like a place beyond the pines or something like, like something uh, that kind of makes you like, think well what is yeah, this yeah maybe a more yeah. intriguing type. Yeah. keller dover's goatee <laughs> that amazing goatee <laughs> keller dover's big pickup truck <laughs> come to theater near you um the name keller dover <laughs> just keller dover i don't know just saying yeah no i think i, I think a, a title can 
can do a lot for a movie in terms of what totally. we get out of it. And I mean, like that, that was a perfect example. I wasn't even thinking of the, the name, the place beyond the pines was such a great title because it's very interesting and it, and it points to a very specific Absolutely. moment of yeah. that entire movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. So, you know, no, and the whole like, the movie itself from like name wise, you know, looking at like John Carter and John Carter of Mars and sure. Andrew Stanton's reasoning for changing it. And then kind of, but John Carter, like if it was John Carter of Mars, people would kind of be more like, oh, well, this is a dude on Mars, and they'd understand. It's what not like the- Michael Clayton, John Carter, you know. Like, what was I- the one I was still bent out of shape about? There was a movie that had a really great title, and then they changed it, and I was really annoyed with it. <laughs> Crap, I don't remember what it was. Was it Outlaws and Lawless? No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I remember what you're talking about, but I don't know. You said the the studio changed the name of the movie. <clears throat> well, Kogan's Trade was originally. Yeah, yep, that was it. No, that wasn't it though. There was another. There was one that had a really long, like, cool name, and they just crunched it into something kind of dumb. Hmm. Was remember. it Lawless? I think it was Lawless. What was Lawless? Yeah, 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 yeah. The wettest county in the world. Yes, that's it. That's yep. it. What an awesome name! <laughs> it was Lawless. Lawless. <laughs> Outlaws. What a, what a boring name. <laughs> Some part of my brain knew that that's. Yeah, what that was totally it. I still think there was another one. But anyway, I love how it happens pretty often. No, it's okay. We have like five more minutes that we can kill. We can debate. What else about should we talk about supposed- in the middle of our review of prisoners? <laughs> <laughs> um, Any other thoughts on the movie? No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I one thing that was kind of cool, and this isn't really spoilerish by any means, but um, <laughs> I liked that they kind of set up Jackman's character um, in a way where he almost seems like in the very beginning of the movie, he almost seems like a kind of a, a stereotype. Like, from his look and he's out hunting with his son, you know, and like, and just his behavior and his survivalist mentality, you're kind of thinking like, you're like, oh, this guy's a total like weirdo, like redneck that's bottling, like stocking guns and like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you think of him in one way and then the follow, the subsequent scenes of him, Thanksgiving and everything he's doing with the other family totally push that into, it's very cool. I think... I think what you're what you're thinking of. I I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like it, like even the conversation with the son at the beginning. I was like, he seems like a very stern, like not necessarily engaged in the actual thoughts of his son during this. Like it's it's weird, but I think there's a purpose for that that we can kind of talk. I mean, it's uh, no, we can say it up front. I mean, this the thing that he says to his son is, you know, the thing your grandpa told me is that I, you know, you need to be prepared about. For, for anything. Mm-hmm. And the whole, like a lot of the movie is what is, what does Kelly Dover do when he can't be prepared for the, the event sure. that he faces? Absolutely. And so that's, I think a, a lot of what you said about like, oh yeah, he's, you know, he's going to be weird or he's got something like, he, he just seems yeah, like just, he's I, very, I, I, he seems like a very, he seems like at, at the at first glance, just being a person who's, who's going to like, make a snap judgment about somebody, I was like, okay, he seems like a very, like... He's got, like, a very controlling vibe to him. Like, he does. Like, the, oh, don't wait to go in until you're invited. And He doesn't seem know. like a very loving man. He doesn't seem like... He seems like a hard-working kind of guy, like a working, like, working class. Like, he goes out and, like, goes logging and stuff. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, but he, he turns out to be a very different guy. I don't know. Yeah. He doesn't... Your your quick I don't know your quick perception of him is like totally wrong by the time you it's kind of cool yeah. I guess I guess I don't know if it was on purpose but it kind of I don't know kind of flips the script a little bit on him so. yeah I think that that happens with a lot of the characters part of the reason it doesn't dumb it down like you said is you're presented with this initial this initial two D perception of who all the characters are and they all fit a mold and they all behave a certain way and you start to think you know who they are and how they'll anticip- how they'll react <clears throat> to things yeah then once this big incident happens. 
it really reveals who they are mm-hmm. and maybe how, mm-hmm. you know, it strains, I think, a lot of the relationships that otherwise, you know, it's something, it's it's real life. It's everyday life. Like, we, we make friendships and relationships and they <clears throat> they are formed and shaped by the parameters we already have and, and the normal, the routine, and how we can expect our friends and everybody to react to certain things. But then when these extraordinary circumstances come about is when you really see who people are mm-hmm. yeah it's like you know they always say things like that like about you, you know you see who your true friends are that kind of thing yeah mm-hmm. um and a lot of the even just the, the core friendship in this movie kind of is is pretty strained and so it's interesting yeah. which brings me to my they have my other gripe terrence howard you never impress me like i i've never once seen terrence howard in a movie and gone he was great for that part yeah even in this movie i was like he just was he was just kind of there he was I, pretty I sweet in hustle and flow <laughs> i've never seen hustle honestly he's yeah. pretty good to in that movie fair. But uh, other than that, I've, I've never really seen him. Even in trailers for the movies, I'm always kind of like, why, why Terrence? Like, oh, nice. Yeah, what about the table or the you know the the casting call for that made made them be like, that's our guy. Even as the villain in uh, in Dead Man Down or whatever it was called, which I still haven't seen yet, but I wanted to. One with Colin Farrell and Nomi Rapace. And what, like, what did they say? What did they see that they were like, you know what? He'd be a great villain for this. I watched it. Yeah, and he was he was fine in this movie. Like he was just fine. But everybody else was so damn good that mm-hmm. I wanted a little bit better than fine. I wanted a character that really would stand toe to toe with Hugh Jackman's character and make me go. And you know, and there were a couple scenes where he was pretty effective. But on the whole, I kind of walked away from the movie going. I couldn't remember where his character, what his character's last scene was, what his last... I couldn't remember. And I was like, that's how unmemorable yeah. you were. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everybody else in the movie, I remember exactly where they ended up. He's not bad. He's just, just meh. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Whatever. All right. I think that wraps it up for non-spoilers. Go check out the movie. We all thought it was pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a fake break and then stick tuned for some, some spoilery talk. Should be good. So... Should be good. Yes. Good. Be right back. Alright, we are in spoiler territory for prisoners. Um, so I'll just, I'll start off with a few of the things. I, I brought up the religious kind of imagery and, and, and thoughts and it's, it's some of it's very loosely connected for me but the thing that kind of stuck out the most a lot was uh, when Paul Dano gets kind of encased in the shower a lot of what was filmed there felt a lot like a confessional just from the ways that it was shot it was very interesting and, it, and it, like even for Hugh Jackman's character it was a lot about him kind of he built a confessional yeah 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 and and literally and, and it ends up kind of turning on itself too because when he kind of gets there and he's like why are you making me do this to you it kind of ends up being like him figuring out his own attempting to figure out his own demons on the matter and and, and yeah. kind of confessing to himself that like this is not something that he would do as you know normally well but, and every time he did something awful he was sitting there praying for forgiveness afterwards like, yeah trying to do penance yeah basically yeah it was very very much that the other one, the other kind of like, by the seat of my pants, I was kind of thinking about it, and I'm trying. I was trying to relate it in a way, but I didn't think very hard about it. Was at the end when when Gyllenhaal hears the whistle, and he kind of he kind of turns, he kind of denies it like two or three times, trying to relate that to like the Peter and Jesus and that kind of thing. Like, and it's very loose. It doesn't make any sense at all. But I was just try- <laughs> I was trying to think about it. Like it like it, it was in there because I like by the end of the movie I was like hmm there's kind of a lot of like religious kind of 
under you kind of start digging around through it yeah i liked that a lot because the movie yeah the movie almost was out initially to make like religious people the good guy and then it was kind of almost to make them the bad guy but then not like it, it didn't I saw a post about it that was like, oh, another movie that makes Christians look like psychos. And I was like, no, it doesn't. No, not at all. No, because I, it just... I I mean, not not at all, but th- there's a couple questions... It comments briefly, I think, on the kind of questionable nature that some religious people have, where they think, oh, I say I'm sorry, so it's okay. Yeah. There's a couple lines, like even Maria Bello at the end was like, he he did what he thought was right, and I thank God for that. And I was like, "What? Yeah. What are you talking about, you crazy bitch?" Like, it's <laughs> kind of how I felt. I was like, "You can't be like I thank God for that. You should be like I thank God my daughter's back. That <laughs> yeah. I thank God for. But I don't thank God that my husband is dead or missing or you know ran off and is living in the woods being Wolverine now. Like it, uh, <laughs> it, it just was living there were a with bear. Weird, weird moments. Yes, living with bear on hill." Definitely. I mean, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest religious moment was uh, just the whole act of Hugh Jackman basically totally willing to trade himself for his daughter and being thrown in yeah. the tomb and, like, sealed away and just basically being there in there, basically finally praying his last, like, you know, keep my girl safe, just totally un- unworried about himself in any regard. And I, I thought... I thought that was the last we were going to see of him. I was like, whatever, he's he's done for. And I thought that was a really fitting ending, that he's basically paying penance for what he did. He's now sealed in there. He's got an injury. He can't move. It was very much total total karma, total reflection of what he had done to yeah. Paul Dano. And I thought that was pretty uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, I it like... it sunk in. I was thinking, I was like, I hope his character realizes, like, ain't that some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see, and I kind of wonder the whole... I didn't... I didn't, um... <clears throat> I meant to kind of reflect on it more. Like, what what did you guys think of Melissa Leo's? Like, this was our war on God. Like, what what did she aim to do by doing these things? Like, she she wanted like she rewarded Terrence Howard in the sense that like it, it's it's very fuzzy to me. I didn't put it all together, and I know that it's all there, but I didn't. These didn't all link up. It's like it, Terrence Howard's daughter got away. She was released. Was it because she finished the puzzle book? No, she ran away. Yeah, they she... show that flashback, and she's able to escape. Oh, she was not yeah, let all go. The, all okay. the loose threads in this movie, I think that that I and pretty much everybody will probably have, are with Melissa with that whole absolutely abducting scenario. A, a, that's one these of these are the shittiest kidnappers ever. Because how many kids got away? That's that's. But it's not. That's the weird thing is that it's not. Mm, go ahead. Well, I think with with the with the two kid the two kids that grow up to become Dano and the other guy. The guy who has snakes in boxes. Dark Knight guy. Yes. Uh, Joker's friend. Um, friend of Joker. Rachel Dawes. They, um... <laughs> Rachel! They, um... As, as said on his name tag. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, they, um... I feel like they were raised... See, that doesn't even make sense, though. It, I... One of the main things... I've heaped a, a bit of praise at this movie, but there are two major gripes I have. And it abs... The first one and the biggest one is absolutely the Melissa Leo thing. Yeah. This movie does such an incredible job of building the tension and keeping you guessing as to what's going on, who's really... It does such an, incre- like, such an incredible job of that that I don't feel like any payoff was really going to be 100% rewarding. I feel like... I'm not, I'm not sure what, like, a payoff where I'd be like, yeah, holy... Cr-. Like, this was not it. Like, that weird... Like, the religious subtext and stuff works in some areas... But her weird last-minute exposition walk to the pit 
with we're going to make God pay for somehow because we're going to kidnap kids and have them hang out and do puzzles and then kill. It was so stupid and it felt, I'm sorry, it, it felt like it was from a completely different movie. It did not feel, that's the one, mo- this movie feels rings so true until Melissa Leo has to open her mouth about, we're killing babies for the devil because God's bad and we won't make him mad. Like, See, but is that, like I'm wondering, is that it? Or is this, is this a, um, like, I, I felt like some of her reasoning is we are trying to take people and make them not believe in God anymore. That's, it's But so- I don't know if it's because, because she doesn't like God or because she's testing their faith and God is working through her. Like, I don't. And, and that, and that, it's totally okay to question the motives of the, in this case, the abductor and the killer or whatever. Like, that's cool. Like, you, there should be an air of mystery about the motives. Like, you should have some idea, and they give you some idea. But I just, like, it doesn't feel true to me. It, I, no one would ever, like, no one would ever do this because they're like, I'm going to teach my, their parents a lesson. That's not something a real, even a psychopath, that's not something, it would never happen. She would be standing outside of, of churches picketing God. That's what she'd be doing. This doesn't make any sense. It feels like it's coming from from more of a schlocky horror movie well, type. Like, yeah. oh my god, a twist in M. Night Shyamalan. It doesn't feel like... Uh, like almost a twist for the sake of this, a twist. This but... movie rings so true until that point, and that really, really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't, I, don't, I don't dislike Melissa Leo. I think she does a great job with her performance. She's really creepy in, a, in yeah. kind of a subtle way. But I, th- the motivations are so thinly written... They're so they just don't I didn't like I it. I think I think a second viewing might help. It but. might I I hope. I, I I'm gonna watch it again and I maybe we'll I'll comment on what I thought about it. I, I don't know. Agree. Do I you mean, not not like in a in a crazy way, but I think I remember being impressed with, with that reveal. The actual reveal I was kinda like Alright, interesting. I was more intrigued that, that, that Keller figured it out. Yeah. I was more intrigued by that, but I think he went about it kind of stupidly, like just going there. <laughs> Turn my back to her. Showing up with his tools Let me fix your door. Let me fix your door, lady. Uh, yeah, a little weird, but I was I was impressed with how relatively, I don't want to say subtle is not the right word for it, but how her plan was, was, was pretty simple, and it actually made sense in a way that she was like, you know, the the phrase "waging our war on God" is kind of stupid. I mean, it that's sounds definitely so dumb. Like out of supernatural or something. It totally is. But I liked the idea that you know these people are super anti-Christian or almost like um, I I kind of likened her and her her husband to almost like a Westboro type thing where they are so extreme mm-hmm. Christian that they hate other people and want them to die or suffer in a way that they think is good for God. And I liked the. That's kind of more what I equated that, her to, and I liked her her line basically saying, "We would make people stop believing in God, or maybe even make them stronger Christians by kidnapping their kids and basically seeing how they would react." So it was almost like the I'm I was just glad that the the act of kidnapping the kids wasn't about the kids. It wasn't a pedophile. It wasn't it wasn't the same shit that happens in movies when kids get kidnapped. It was I was totally kids, okay with the that. Kids were yeah, just a absolutely. means to an end to make adults. See the choices of adults. Yeah, I think that was really a really interesting way to approach. But it. even even that feels weird to me too. Though I, I'm I mean just just throwing it out there. It, it, I, I'm just, from what we can gather in this movie, can we all agree that she they abduct the kids as a team or as mm-hmm. a they and they would kill the kids eventually, and the kid would never be found. Hence all the 
kid stuff I mean, in the. All of them, I guess. Maybe not all of them, but in it, the majority was, of the kids. What was weird was they, they bothered to raise one of them. Because they said, remember, the priest says in the confessional, he said he had killed 16 kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they, they kill they some of them. kill a bunch. The yeah. majority of these kids. Sure. The, then you would think that when they kidnap, when she decided to hold on to the two girls, she what? Why would you? Why would you? Why would you have them sit around and do puzzles all day? Yeah, why would you what, do that? For she goes time because days. I was lonely. That she says something like that, like it was lonely, so I thought I'd bring them in the house. Really? Like it just doesn't. There's something weird going. Yeah, I don't you're know. definitely dealing with an unhinged person at this Absolutely. point. Absolutely, who's, but... been, who's been drinking the Kool Aid, her <laughs> husband's special recipe, for a long time. So really, who knows? Because I mean, Paul Dano's character. I mean, this is where the moral the moral line gets really interesting. Is as somebody pointed out, he does know where they are. Keller Dover's not wrong by torturing him. I mean, yeah. he's wrong, but he's not wrong. He's right. Like he does know, but he can't. He just can't speak. He can't. He can't say things. And uh, as 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 the the audience member when the movie's over, you're frustrated because you're like, man, if only that kid would have just understood how to put together, how, how to interpret the sensory input of what he what somebody wanted and put it into words. Mm-hmm. The whole movie would have been uh, averted. And it's interesting because Keller, he's 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 right, but he's not. Keller's and, instinct is there, but yeah. And you're just you're watching. You're like, oh my, oh my god, why? <laughs> and I wonder what some of it in Paul Dano's characters. Uh, like, w- how much of it is this is his mother figure now? Like, this is like there could aunt. be an aspect of that he where he wants aunt, to protect like he, her. Yeah, and that that kind of thing. Well, the, but, the the big gripe I said that that is raised early in the movie that never gets addressed uh, is Paul Dano's character. Exactly how much of a crazy psycho is this kid? Because remember the scene where he's got the dog. Yeah, and he just starts choking the shit out of it for yeah. no reason, and you're like, in this, in your mind, early in the movie, it's like to establish, okay, this guy did. Yeah, he's them. disturbed. He's a crazy of, killer. Yeah, but in the rest of the movie, that's that's never really dealt with. You never show him being really violent, aside from trying to cut them with a piece of glass to escape. But yeah, and I think that's kind of hard <laughs> from the function of the script of having him locked up and. Sure, there's some red herring stuff going on there thought, too. Yeah, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, this in in retrospect, looking back, I was kind of like that was just kind of a plot device to get us riled up. I mean. No, you're absolutely right. Well, but extremely and, and this is crazy. This kind of leads into one of my points that I liked about the movie. It's very much I I think that might have been less for us and more for Hugh Jackman. That was for him. Like that was that was the movie selling Hugh Jackman on the fact that it was him. It was that kid. And yeah. I like that because it did that with Hugh Jackman and then it kind of makes the viewer start to doubt okay well maybe it's not Paul Dano mm-hmm. and then they put you on the on the thread of Jillian Hall sees the kid at the vigil put down the 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 stuffed doll or the the stuffed toy and and um that's when you're like okay so it's not Paul Dano it's got to be this guy it's this guy and you start and oh the clothes they're bloody and he's got and all this weird stuff it's like this is it's him it's got to be him mm-hmm. and yeah. that's why oh, i yeah, appreciate so sure. <laughs> that's why i appreciate the melissa leo thing because then again the movie turns it on its head and is like it's almost like look you you were Hugh Jackman viewer you were Hugh Jackman in this case you knew that it was him and it wasn't and so some of that could be could be uh like your issues with melissa leo like that character could have been out of function of oh we want to design the movie to do this. I wonder if they intentionally did or not. I don't know. But I I, for, really I didn't mind. I didn't mind Melissa Leo being. I, I had a feeling that by the time we had learned that the guy with the snakes in the box and stuff, I don't remember his name, was kind of a red herring. You know, um, like 
Bob, yes. I, I realized that there was more to this than just Paul Dano has the kids. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, at this point, there's got to be something more going on. It was funny, because <laughs> we were sitting there in the theater. Willie got there first, and then you got there, and then I got there. Like, we all... It, it, like, I could hear... The, the, the gears were turning in Willie, and he's just like, oh... You mean the, was like, the pendant? Not even the pendant, just in general. Willie had gotten there before all of us. There were a couple times where I literally, like, out, sure. like outwardly, I didn't even mean to. I was just like, oh! oh, like, yeah, or, oh. Yeah. I remember I had a really big exhale of, oh. Yeah, and that's when you got it, and then and then that's when Willie kind of turned to me. He's like, you remember the pendant? And I was like, oh. Okay. But... Willie doing his thing and spoiling things for people. <laughs> no, I and mean, it was interesting, and it was something that you said, Nick. I could see your gears working, though, so I was like, I'm just gonna help him. I'm gonna push him along. <laughs> like, I feel really... Like, <laughs> like, you, you were just kind of like this, like... <laughs> what? I was like, there's something here! Yeah, like, you knew. It's sad, though, because I was kind of enjoying it. I was like... Uh, like I know, brain, I pushed you. It was good. I but, won't do it again. Um... It's something that you were, you said afterwards, Nick, was um, you weren't trying to figure it out, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Like, a lot of the time you walk into a movie like this, and I don't know if it's the movie or if it's the person's mindset or what, but you're just kind of like, oh, well, it's this, or it's this, or it's this. It felt very natural. Like, it was very much... I, yeah, I never go into movies with the mindset of, I'm going to sit down and figure this shit out. And I've actually had people try to make me feel stupid before, be like, you didn't get that? And I'm like, bro, I watched the movie. Yeah. I don't try to beat the movie. You were along for the ride. Absolutely. What's the point of that if you're going to ruin it? Like, my dad is the number one worst person to watch a movie with. Because <laughs> like, he will sit there. If I was watching this movie with my dad, I should do it and, and film it. Because you will watch it and he'll be like, god damn, dad, chill out. Because he's always, he'll be like, it's that person, you know why? And and then he'll be wrong. So this movie will be good because he'll watch it and be totally wrong about like about it like three times. <laughs> or maybe he'll be dead right and be frustrated. Yeah, but he'd be dead right for the wrong, for the wrong reasons. He'd be like, oh, it's Melissa Leo because because he listened to the, the podcast. The clit's clearly dumb, and and he, he need you know she uses him as kind of a red herring. I don't know, but there was uh, the one thing I was going to say in terms of the the one questionable thought I had in terms of Jill and Hall's character, like whether or not he had probable cause. I remember thinking him checking out Dover's apartment building was a little sketchy. Yeah. But then afterwards, uh, I remember, like, re- retotaling a lot of things that happened in the movie, and he was in the... Uh, Paul Dano had been missing for days, and he actually never really even was like, oh, it's Keller that took him. Like, he... Yeah. Uh, he goes to the house, and he finds out from the wife that Keller hasn't been there. He knows he hasn't been searching. He sees the lie in the basement. He follows him and sees him going in the direction of that street, and then he clears, see, sees him clearly double back and and make up some BS. And then he looks up and sees the address, and it's an abandoned building. And so I think that that alone would warrant looking at it because he'd yeah. be like, okay, he's been missing. He's got even though the lie That's was true. not with that intention. He'd have to get a search warrant still, but because it's it, wasn't it? Didn't he technically own the property, Keller? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he would have to get some sort of search warrant, which I they don't show him getting, but we don't necessarily know that he nah, didn't. He doesn't. I don't think probably not. <laughs> He's Jake Gyllenhaal. He the, movie, that, the whole movie takes place in like six days. He just dives and, through a window. The one that <laughs> so was it. I, it was kind of iffy for me was the uh, he, clearly it was probable cause because he thought the dude was dead, the priest yeah, yeah, was yeah. dead, and he breaks in there to do it. But then he's just kind of like, "Oh, father, you mind if I take a look around?" Blah blah blah, and then he goes and does it. Like I was like, that's kind of like I you know I don't know the legality of all of that, but it, I it's think a lot of that happens in real life though. No, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. Someone actually mentioned that one specifically online, too, and they said, well, he, he doesn't open anything. They said he just walks around, he doesn't open anything. They said, but he sees clearly sees the marks from the fridge being moved back and forth, but they said, which would probably warrant a look like, this is kind of shady, what's in here? Because that guy, that guy was on the list of... Sex of offenders. Sex yeah. offenders, yeah. So his place, you know, it's it's within reason, I think. And his character was pretty good about 
keeping his cool. Like if somebody got riled up at him and, and it deserved an apology, I think he probably would have given it. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he was remarkably cool with Hugh Jackman blowing up at him in his car and slamming on the dashboard. 18 stuff. times. He, he put himself in that, uh, you know, in chill mode. Uh, but that character was really good. And actually somebody, this is really interesting. Somebody brought up the notion of what if there's a sequel that's like a courtroom drama of Keller Dover on trial for what happened? Would you like it? I was like, God, that, that would be different, that could en- different actually, enough for me to like be intrigued. That could actually be really good. I don't know if I'd want a sequel, but I think it'd be cool to have another movie with Jill and Hall's detective character. character trying to track something else down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, the character was very interesting. He's such an interesting character that, and he had this weird, his weird yeah. uh, track record of perfect solving every crime. And I was yep. like, that's kind of ridiculous, but awesome. But why the hell is his name Detective Loki? Like, I don't know. His last name is literally L-O-K-I. Yeah. Yeah. What Sounds a weird strange. choice for a character name. Like, it was just... I remember being distracted by it. Every time they'd say it, I'd be like, Loki. Yeah, um, the, the only um, thing I just want to mention real quick was Maria Bello. <clears throat> yeah. I wasn't... I wasn't... I feel like... <sighs> I think the character was a little wasted. The character's a little weak, and I, I understand... Like, it's it's not that that's not a natural thing that could happen. Like, I could see a woman that becomes just absolutely, like, beside herself, and, beca- you know, it's just popping pills and stuff. But one, the movie only takes place in a period of, like, what, a week or so, right? Six, seven days, yeah. She gets, like, a little overly, like, becomes a little overly drug addict within seven days for me. Well, it's prior history, I think. That that seemed pretty clear to me. Did it? Okay, like, I didn't... As soon as she was, like, upset, Hugh Jackman was like, how many? How many do you need? Okay, I didn't I didn't. Like, I think it was that. pretty firmly established okay. that she... That's what I mean when I when I said initially you get an impression of who these people are. They all seem like a normal, well-adjusted family. But you find out that Dover's kind of a religious nut, kind of a survivalist nut. He's a little overboard. You find out she clearly has like probably some intense postpartum or something with the kids, or she has depressive issues. Yeah, she. I didn't catch that. I, I, maybe it was. Well, in our whole line, was, you said he would protect us. You said yeah. nothing go wrong. I was like, these two have a weird. There's a weird dynamic between that husband and wife. That's unusual. yeah. Part doesn't of, seem as help as healthy as maybe Terrence Howard and his wife. Yeah, I think one thing that could have fixed it was not casting Maria Bello because we kind of talked about that a little bit. Like, she, no, because she, you're right. She, you said she, she plays, plays a lot of battered, a women. lot of damaged women, and <laughs> and it sounds silly. What does it say about her as a person? She she's not she's bad at it. I mean, she does a good job, but like. I feel like it would have been more interesting and more shocking and would have made her character a little more compelling if it was an actress who maybe hasn't done something like that before and who does play more of like a really, like in the in the opening Thanksgiving scenes, plays more of like a motherly, you know what I mean? Like yeah. plays that character. So when you see her spiral, it's more, because Maria Bell is like, I've seen you do this like so many times, Maria. Like I've seen you laying around in a bed with your hair disheveled. Like it's cool. You'll be all right. The all one, right. The any, one super last thing I want to say. Yeah. Any uh, final thoughts here? Yeah. I, uh, I, I watched this the trailer for this so so backseat like I wasn't really paying attention. I was kind of watching it, being like, oh, this yeah, that's this that's kind of how I felt. Um, but I think there's a there's something really really serious to be said about this movie because you really do yourself a disservice if you've listened to any of this spoiler section without seeing the movie. But if you watch, you know, the big thing these days isn't even trailer after trailer after trailer. It's clips, like. Mm-hmm. actual scenes from the movie you can just watch TV and when, spots and then clips when I went to, on IMDB I, to, to read like the, you know I always do I have tradition it's the day I see a movie I go I read the trivia and I kind of check out the message boards and see what people are talking about and it was straight up like clips and I saw one it was a scene I really really liked when when Loki goes to uh, to Dark Knight guy's house to mm-hmm. talk to him it was such a great scene because you're like yes he's gonna nail him and it was so intense and that whole scene is on IMDB <laughs> It literally starts with a guy opening the door and him being like, 
you know, know the whole you shop at the value center and he's like yeah you can't afford suit and then he's just like yeah you bought children's clothes though like the whole scene <laughs> Wait, even even him like opening the boxes and stuff no no it, it oh, ends okay. with with him being like i don't have children and then like r- trying to run and him kicking in the door throwing him on the ground and putting the gun to his head and then it ends and i'm like if you see that scene you do yourself just the most insane disservice by even introducing that character because well, his introduction was so good and yeah i was gonna like was I don't even know if Bob was in the trailer at all himself. I don't think so. Which is cool for the trailer. Because that was such a great... You know, your comment was so good, Alex, about how you're you're pretty much looking at the movie from Hugh Jackman's perspective, and you're like, it's Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing this scene with this candlelight vigil, and Ter- now you're in Terrence Howard's shoes for a minute, coming home and with his family and him breaking down for a split second, which is really good. And then you see, you, you see Detective Loki. Loki sitting there, and you're like, that's really sweet. Like, the cop is there to kind of look and see how everybody's doing. And he's just there, and you you expect the scene just to play out like he's there, and maybe he'll he'll put a candle down and then get in his car and drive away into the into the into the night. But instead, there's this weird moment of this creepy guy touching a stuffed animal. He didn't even put it there. Actually, it was a girl because oh, I remember okay. them showing the girl setting it there, and I was like, "Who's that girl?" And he's just like, like caressing the head. Yeah, yeah and then he's sitting there petting it, and you're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then it shows his creepy face, and you and you see Loki kind of go. And instantly, the audience does the same thing. Yep, yeah. that creeper in the hood, and the way, dude. Last thing, last comment. Deacons, you're you're a boss, but you're I think your coolest lighting thing I've seen you do in the last five years is having a damn garage motion sensor light turn on. Remember when you heard the guy running and you're like, is he running? And then the light goes boom and comes on with the music and you see oh, him yeah. sprinting. I was like Oh, it was so good. Such I, a good, um, such a good scare moment. There was one other thing just has to go after him. It was great. Yeah. There was one other thing that I wanted to talk about. Give me one second to think about it here. What was it? <laughs> Don't lose it. It was good. The Chinese restaurant scene, I just will say really quickly, was such a great way to introduce a character. Like, showing the, the cop on Thanksgiving, eating in a Chinese restaurant by himself, and having this funny, like, just tired banter with the waitress. I was yeah, like, was this cool. is a great... God, the car chase was awesome, too. The car chase? No, the car chase, but the, the race to the hospital. Oh, my God, yes. Very intense. Oh, yeah. Beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah, there's his, his blurring of his eyes and the rain. <laughs> and the way they, the shot, the way they shot the rain on the windshield. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, I, I know there's been nights where, like, I've driven home from work and I, like, can't see. And I'm like, yeah. this is, like, that's that actually not my drive, the road. My drive here every time because I, I had west on Guardian, Yeah, the light. It's just a straight yep. shot of the sun in my face yeah. the whole yeah. time. Um, let's work backwards. <laughs> what were you saying? You were talking about Bob. Oh, the other thing that I really liked was thinking about why the previous victims were where they were. Why did they show up? That's exactly what I was, like what it I was, was thinking in my mind earlier with when you look back on the movie. Yes. And it does a great job of introducing Absolutely. things. Why he it's was like, why outside. was Paul Dano outside of that house? Because that was his house. Why did the kid, why, <laughs> yeah. why did Bob show up at the vigils? Because, like, he knew, like, he knew that this kid, like, these kids are gone because of Melissa. Like, that's, and it's... It's very interesting to go back and think about, like that. It's that's it's beautiful, and it's like all of that being there, just kind of like that was the one that blew my mind late last night when I was thinking about the movie. Was Paul Dano? It just like hit me like a freight train. I was like thinking about him sitting outside that house, and I was like, oh my god, because that was his house yep. until he was like five or yeah. something, and he yeah. doesn't even know that. But instinct just draws him back there. It was mm-hmm. awesome because the movie never explicitly says like audience. This is why the RV, like, there wasn't a cheesy, like, Hugh Jackman, like, and black and yeah, white of the RV there, outside the there house. There wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like, uh, there wasn't any sort of montage that puts the pieces together for and you. And it was cool, because so. if you've been paying attention to the movie and you were invested in it, at the moments where, like, Detective Loki would figure something out, you 
figured it out at the same time. Yeah. If you weren't like a couple steps ahead with, that's where the movie kind of loses its stride is mm-hmm. kind of figure out the pendant thing a little bit earlier. Yeah. But if you hadn't though, imagine how cool that would be if he makes his mess and you're like, yeah, man, I'm frustrated too. What the hell's going on? And then, and you then he looks picture, down. You go, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I guess for people just not as smart as the three of us, this might be an amazing movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, th- I think it, it's fair to say it really was. It really, it really stood out amongst the... You know, all the spectacle that we've seen this summer. It was a great mo- great summer for, you know, big, loud spectacle movies. But this one is one of the ones that will be on my top ten at the end of the year, I think. Yeah. Certain. And it, ki- it came out at the right time to get some sort of attention. I think <laughs> yeah. it's kind of winning the box office because of the good reviews and word of mouth. So. Yeah, and it's just something, it's a bit of a palate cleanser, I think, after all the, the big, loud yeah. stuff that we saw this summer. It was nice to kind of segue into the Oscar bait season. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's it. That's um, it. Go check out Prisoners. Hopefully you did before listening to the spoiler section. That'd be unfortunate. Uh, you should post a huge disclaimer on the, on the, yeah, on the post. Yeah, yeah, I, I will. Um, other than that, at Miss John on Twitter, thank you for our artwork and our music. Um, check us out, MidwestFilmNerds.com. Full show notes are always up there. You can check out some of our older episodes that aren't on iTunes still. Um, at MFN Podcast on Twitter. Uh, find links to our respective Twitter pages on the website as well. And, uh, yeah, other than that, feedback dot com. Um, next week, I think we're going to try, if it's around here, which I think it will be, uh, I think we're going to review Don John. Don John's Addiction. Looks very good. Yeah, so. The trailer's great. That should be quite good. But other than that, um, Kyle XY, go watch a movie.